Marriage. No matter where your marriage is right now, it can be full of hope, grace, change, and love. Listen in as we present Pursue Marriage Weekender 2023, a series of sessions and sermons where the Bible is celebrated, marriages are nurtured, and lives are transformed. All right, I'll start this one off uh, with uh, Pastor Chadwick. If Christ lives in me, why do I struggle to love my spouse? Because you're, you're a sinner, and they're a sinner. And as Pastor Darrell said, turn us up in the monitor or something. As Pastor Darrell said, it um, everything tends towards entropy or towards disorder. Your relationships do too. That's why you have to pray on a regular basis for God to help you love your spouse. She who was at one time beautiful to you and you couldn't keep your hands off her, both of you have changed at an equal rate, but you'll find a point where you're like, I don't know if she's as attractive. you got to pray. Satan hates your marriage. He wants to destroy it. The world hates your marriage. They want to destroy it. There's all kinds of things fighting against you in your marriage. And so sometimes that's why you struggle with that. Yes, do you want to add? I think, I think you know, we can be... I was like, we are um, innately sinners in, in developing positive character and even developing love for someone. It's, it's work. We want emotion to come before effort. And that's backwards. Uh, effort comes and then emotion follows. It's just a simple truth where your treasure is there will your heart be also. The cause and effect has to be discipline and, and giving my love, the act of love to someone, and, and your heart will always follow if it does. It's why you love your home. If you've ever been someplace, you live there for a while, and then you move, there's affection there because you spent life there. And when, when you put positive effort into someone, the, the emotions will follow. Uh, another foundation. Oh, I'm sorry. I think it's easy for us women, especially if we've had children, because we know that very true. You, when you serve your children all these years, there's a totally different level of love. And I would say to this spouse, start serving her. Find ways to invest in her. Um, I think then the love will grow. I, um, my brain, when you said that, it, it's easier with your children in a sense and you because you know that the expectation is that you have to take care of them and in the and then in the long run it will come back to you with your spouse i find that especially with myself my expectation was that he would give to me and i had to change my expectation and my love um, didn't grow until i started putting in what i was what i needed to give to him instead of always expecting him and when i lowered that expectation and started treating him like my husband then i was able to love him better she set a very low bar. <laughs> to bring it around biblically, I think there's a passage that said that the older women should teach the younger women to love their children and love their husbands. So that's pretty awesome. I'm going to ask this one to the ladies uh, to start with. Uh, I would assume that one of the most frustrating things for all of you, uh, but ladies especially, is to see couples or wives in particular kind of going off the deep end and you can see it and you know what is going on and it's like no one ever asked you. And so this question uh, said, should we go only to you, uh, pastor or pastor's wives, for marriage advice? I have several people counseling me that just reached out. Would you care to comment on that? I know in our church there are several older couples that have a great marriage and I would 
I mean, even with having children, we sought out other couples that did a great job with their kids to ask advice, and I think the same is true in marriage. Um, I think you need to be careful. Not everyone has the godly ideas and standards in the world, but in church, when you see it displayed, they're a great resource. I don't have anything to add to that. It's it's if you if you're if they're giving you counsel that's opposite the word of God, you need to stop listening. If their counsel is, well, this is what the word of God says, then that's great counsel. But start with your pastor and your pastor's wife and then say, hey, is there another couple that I could talk to? Is there another woman that that maybe I could gather um, and gain information from that you would, would suggest that I talk to? Uh, maybe that is in my same situation. I love putting women together that are in same situations that maybe I can't always relate to. Um, and so there are other women, but be very careful that their advice is biblical. I would say this, avoid Rehoboam's failure. Yes. Um, asking peers for advice, there's a time where the empathy is good, and there's a time that the lack of experience between the two of you is immense, and it might just be better to find someone who is older, who, is, who have been through there before you have. So, and, and don't look on social media for advice. The Bible talks about your pastor, about being whose faith follow. I would encourage whoever asked this question, I would encourage them at the very least to go to your pastor and get some guidance on who, who to talk to because all that glitters is not gold. Yes. And every man, the Bible says, will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. It'd be very helpful for you to go to your pastor and say, hey, I'm thinking about getting counsel from John Doe. What do you think? And allow their silence to speak volumes. Don't force them to say negative things. Just like, ah, okay, that's all I needed to hear. Be mature enough to allow that uh, because pastors don't normally want to talk bad about people. Bernie's an exception. Uh, <laughs> but we normally don't want to talk bad about people, so give us the freedom not to do that. But ask counsel of a pastor. If you're at a church as a staff of the pastoral staff, they're probably going to know way more than you know, so be careful with it. We had a lot of questions on sex. And so I think we should do kind of a two-to-one, ask uh, these questions. So let's ask two on this topic. Pastor, I'm starting with you on this one. Um, very personal, how did you and uh, Debbie finally break out of your seven-year dry spell, like in general? Resilience. It just wasn't worth it. It's not in me to just give up. I'm just going to keep on fighting and keep on fighting. I, I I, maybe that's why Canyon Ridge is here. I don't know, but it's just part of my character. And I know a lot of guys are like, well, I tried. She said, no, we're done. Yeah, that concept never entered my mind. And to this day, it doesn't really enter my mind. And if we know what's right to do, let's keep pursuing that. We're pressing toward the mark. We're trying to get better. We're pursuing love. So I I, I think from, a, from my perspective, let's keep fighting for it. F Debbie's perspective, she was fighting for it too. Knowing that we wanted the intimacy and everything else, there were some medical issues, there were some rearing issues, um, and so, um, and we kept trying new things and trying new things, and I'll let her speak to that too. That, but that, from my perspective, I had people say, why, why, do you, why don't you just give up? I had people recommend that we get a divorce to get our marriage annulled. Uh, spiritual leaders in my life. It's like, no, we're not doing that. We're just not going to do that. We're going to keep pressing on and pursuing it. Before Debbie weighs in on that, that kind of brings out something I, I want to pull out. Um, you weren't 
this wasn't a selfish aspect. It wasn't like, well, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to keep pushing forward. It was a more holistic, more spiritual, more greater yes type of attitude in it. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't even – yeah, that was well said. There was a lot of medical it, – it, it, it started from a medical issue and then became, I think, an emotional – there was just the, – the damage that was done became more than just um, medical. And then it became psychological and all of the, I feel like a failure. I had to come to the place where I had to stop thinking I was a failure, that I was broken, and that I could never be fixed. Um, as women, I, I can't speak to how a man thinks, but as a woman, you get to a place you think, I'm broken, and no one else has ever felt this way. Everybody else is perfect. They all have something that I don't have, and I'm too embarrassed to ask for help. I'm too ashamed. I'm, I'm just not, it's just not worth it. All of those things. I will give my husband a huge amount of credit in that um, Finally, somewhere around in that point, he started doing a lot of research. I was doing the medical research, and I was fighting on the medical side. He did the research on the spiritual side, and I'm forever grateful. He spent time. So if you are a husband and your wife has struggled and maybe she's not ready to, to do those things, he began investing in me spiritually, emotionally, um, he just began reading and learning, and he wouldn't give up. And he'd find another book and another book and another book because everybody's personality is different. And he had to keep looking to find out who I was. And so I thank him, and I will thank him publicly because it really was um, – he finally put aside his own um, – he, he had had when we first got married, he said, oh, those books are stupid, and he didn't want to read. And there came a time he said, you know what, I was wrong. Yep. Those books weren't stupid. Right. I was stupid for not reading them. And I was like, oh. But he started it. Yeah, and I appreciate good. that he was my leader, my spiritual leader, my physical leader, my emotional leader. And then we've worked together over the years. Um, he did a lot of sacrificing physically to help me. Um, we spent a lot of money to fix things. A lot. Um, <laughs> a lot of money, a lot of pain, a lot of trial and error. Worth every penny. And worth Absolutely. every penny. Yeah. And I, that, that's the other thing. He let me know that that, that was an investment that was worth him. Absolutely. He's like, whatever else and whatever it takes, we're going to fix this. Whatever it takes, we're going to keep working on it. And on so, I'd love to talk with the ladies about some of the things that he allowed me to do to be able to feel free to fix that. So if your wife is struggling, let her know that she's worthy of investing yeah. in that you're willing to go whatever. I won't go into all the things he did to, to help me, but invest in her. Let me just add a thought here, too. I want to follow what Debbie's thought was. His Bible says that people, God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And, and so the, the idea of the question is, like, how do you get past some things? Well, you have to sometimes inform yourself. Yes. Of course, the Word of God is the best place to go, but there's a lot of great books, appropriate books that you can read. So... You know, in our life, Terry and I didn't have these same issues, but we, um, our, our best sex life didn't begin till 10, 15 years after we were married. And we, that's because we operated with a level of ignorance. And it wasn't, when I say destroyed for a lack of knowledge, I don't just mean information. I mean understanding this knowledge, yes. understanding the knowledge that's here and here. And this sounds really stupid, but married couples, cannot they don't sometimes communicate 
and they're not vulnerable. And we're afraid to ask sex questions of each other. And it's so silly, but that's where the majority of relationships reside. Are we good? Is that good? Not good? Can we talk about this? Can we read a book together? And it's amazing the inhibitions that exist in a marriage. And so to get past things, you have to be willing to talk about them specifically and uh, directly and be vulnerable enough to actually be brave enough to talk and to share. You'll be amazed what you can get past if you do that. Can you give us two or three examples of sex questions? Yeah, I mean, like, do you like that? Is this good? Why is something not happening? Talk, you know, um, what... Um, do we need more lube? Yeah. <laughs> All of us guys think we're Superman, and we are not. And, you know, and so there's a whole different perspective here. Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, I think questions about frequency. Yeah, like, okay, you know, this is what I'm thinking. This is how I feel. Um, I, I think... Uh, give me some more time, and I'll come back to that. But. Uh, let me just add one thing, and, and you can move on, and then Brother Troy can come back whenever he wants. But Debbie is, by nature, her personality, a perfectionist, was reinforced as a kid because she was basically gifted at everything she did, and everything she wasn't good at, her parents never made her do. Which is, by the way, if you're a parent, did you just hear what I said? This is the dumbest thing you could ever do. Make your kids do stuff they're bad at. It's, it's good for them. It's healthy for them. Well, they're really good at singing, but they don't like to work out. Make them work out then. Encourage the singing or whatever. I'm just giving an illustration. And I, we spent a lot of time in conversations talking about the fact you don't have to be perfect, and I'm not perfect, and we'll figure this out together. And we'll keep working and working and working. And nobody's ever perfect at it, but it's amazing now. So just that the spirit of perfectionism, both of you need to sacrifice that it needs to die. Uh, you brought up kids. And so it'd be a great segue. Talk about kids and sex. Um, I guess they come from sex. Um, <laughs> at what age? You can tell I do this for a living. Don't you? <laughs> at, at what age should kids stop sleeping in the parent's bed or bedroom? I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that. I don't want to make Brother Durrell feel uncomfortable. I'll no, tell you this. Uh, probably when they come home from the hospital. <laughs> and I don't mean you take them to the hospital when they're two in there. No, like the, the first trip home, they should be in their own bed. And a couple weeks later, in their own room. And let's be honest, the reason your kids are sleeping with you is for you and not That's them. That's right. It's so that you feel good about you and not about them. And, and, and the marriage bed is sacred, not for your kids. I'm not letting my dog sleep in my bed, and I like my dog more than my kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, truth be told, our kids would often come in the middle of the night and get in our bed, and when I found out about it, I pushed them out. Like, you got to go back to your own bed. But, Daddy, I, I'm scared. We'd go look in their room. We'd comfort them. First time, Natalie would walk in when she's 17 years old. Daddy, I'm scared. Or oh, that was Judith. Yeah. Uh, now, I'm teasing, obviously. But, no, uh, when they come home, you can't find a good reason for your child to be in your bed. 
we, our Josiah got really sick and um, he was struggling at nighttime. Their bedrooms were upstairs, ours was down. And it was a genuine running high fevers for several days. So what I did is I made a pallet beside the bed because I was not willing to let him sleep in my bed. First of all, we wouldn't have gotten any sleep, so <laughs> I didn't anyways, but putting beside the bed, plus moms, moms, this is for you, no man wants a baby in their bed, but it's okay, they are just fine, and you need to get it in your head, they're just fine, and it was you and him first, and it needs to continue that way, and seven kids experience, once you let them um, that will be a habit. And all of a sudden, now they're not sleeping all night in their own bed. But in our house, if you got up and you weren't, like, dying, you had to do the lonely walk in the dark all the way back upstairs and back to their bedroom, which was a great training. They didn't want to get up. So there needs to be a deterrent. Uh, let's continue on that and leverage your seven kids' experience here. Um, how do you, uh, these are combined questions, how, how would you prioritize sex with a busy schedule and any tips or advice uh, for parents with young children and the Durrells and then the children? We put them to bed at 7.30. Yep. And it was not an option. All the children slept all night at two months old, whether they wanted to or not. Mm -hmm. And that was also training. You can train them to do a lot of things yep. and it's okay. I mean, I, people are so Anyways, Can soft. I interrupt? Yes. Did you skip church on Sunday night or Wednesday night so they were in bed oh. at 7? No, 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 no. A good, I am a very by-natured, very scheduled individual and probably more Army Sergeant-ish. And <laughs> with a smile, though, with a smile. But, um, <laughs> but we had a very strong schedule. We lived by that. But at the same time, there has to be flexibility. I mean, I'm sorry, but coming to church was more of a priority than putting them to bed at 730. And so they, they figure it out. Kids are real smart. It's amazing. They're demanding, but you have to make that time. And again, a lot of that is about what well, parents, their own selfishness. You know, we're told not to spare for their crying. God understands our selfish nature. And he says we have to get past that for their benefit and really our own. And putting the kids to bed early was one of the smartest things we ever did in our marriage. And, of course, conversely, they got up early, but that's, that was okay with us. We were willing to get early. It gave us that two hours or so every night, just the two of us, uh, uninterrupted. And, and, you know, that's oversaid, but you get the idea. You have to make the time yes. uh, or you have to get away, and you, you need a weekender. You've you got to just make time together a priority. Uh, kids are a wonderful blessing. They're not everything. Um, I learned this from the Ertl family. We were at their house. She's like, oh, no. He's, uh, their kids, Philip is six, seven, seven, and Julia is four, five, five. And uh, they have their own rooms because they have two kids. Um, and not everybody has their own room, but this will still work wherever you're at. They have clocks called the okay to be awake clock for the little kids. You buy it on Amazon. It's red when they're not allowed to be out of the room and green when they are. And their kids don't get to come out of the room till noon and they got to be back in at one. Uh, so, uh, uh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but they have times that the kids have to be in the room. Now, again, sickness, using the bathroom, that kind of stuff, it's different. But what a great tool for parents to be able to say, no, baby, you got to stay in your room. 
You, you can read in your room. You can play in your room. You can pray in your room. You can paint the walls in your room. Probably not that. But you, you don't have to be asleep, and you don't even have to stay in bed, but you have to stay quiet in your room yep. until X o'clock, whatever that may be. Yep. Um, there were some questions that didn't group well. Uh, I just call them the grab bag. So I got two grab bag questions. Um, all right. Uh, Pastor uh, Chadwick, is it better to stay single? Uh, Paul said, I wish all men were as I, but this is a gift that only God can give. Marriage is a wonderful gift. If God has called you to singleness, stay single. If God has called you to marriage, then you need to be married. But the will of God is the will of God. Yeah. Do, follow the will of God with your life. And if God's called you to be single, don't pine for marriage. And if God's called you to be married, don't pine for singleness. Live in the joy of the God's grace in your life. How do you know if God has called you to marriage? You'll know. I if mean, you're married, are you called to marriage? If you're married, whether you were called to singleness or not, you changed God's will. Yes, you're stuck. Follow-up question. Uh, it's a little unrelated, but related. Um, if you do get married, is a wedding ceremony necessary? I think, I think necessary. I think it's important. I mean, memory-making in general is important. I think you can stress over the details way too much. I think you can spend an inordinate amount of money that is not required. Um, I, I think you know, we can really get out of control with that. But I, I think having a special ceremony... It's sort of the way I feel about maybe even, this is horrible, but a burial and a funeral. You don't have to make a big deal, but it's a memory point in life. And having something you can point to and remember is great. And so I would make it more about the relationship and less about the planning. But I think having an occasion is special, whatever that would mean to you, and allowing people to share in that special moment and not robbing people who love you of that experience and share that with you would be uh, appropriate and important. Necessary? I don't know, but I think smart, yes. I, I think as well that you could probably have a really good wedding in our part of the world for about a thousand bucks. Buy a dress on Amazon, throw Twinkies at people when you leave, you're good to go. Yep. Yes. You, you don't have to spend $42,000. Well, we want to give every... Listen, wedding food is terrible. And I hate it as a preacher. Will you please stay for the reception? We ordered this meal. Where'd you get the meal from? Oh, such and such catered. Just go to McDonald's, bro. It'll taste good. Wedding food's normally not good. You don't need to stay around. If you've done it right, we want you to get married and leave. Go to the honeymoon right away, but have the ceremony. But again, you don't have to put yourself in any form of debt at all. You could probably do it for 500 bucks. If it, truth be told, you don't have to give anybody anything. When was the last time anybody felt disappointed when you didn't have to eat wedding cake? Yeah. <laughs> Man, there was cake and I didn't get to eat it. I know you probably do, <laughs> but yeah, that's what I would say. That's it. I'm going to ask the ladies. Well, we can I say this? We did all of our girls, all four of them. I gave them a budget of. $2,000, and they were beautiful weddings, yes. and we handmade and hand cooked. It was worth staying for, thank you, <laughs> the food. You guys raise your own cattle, though, so I don't have a cow in my backyard. <laughs> I'm not slaughtering my puppies, only six pounds. 
Ladies' question. Guys are not allowed to answer this one. Um, if you had to cater uh, fast food at your wedding, uh, what fast food organization would you go for? Pizza, for sure. What, uh, what place? What kind of pizza? Or handmade pizza? No. Pizza Hut. Yeah, Pizza Hut. Yeah. I think that guy answered. That wasn't allowed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whataburger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Jersey Mike's. <laughs> Sorry, there's a little inside Canyon Ridge joke here. How many, how many people love uh, Whataburger? Yes. Uh, not many people. How many people love In-N-Out? Yeah. Woo! It's a great marriage weekender. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Thin, thin, and, thin and no flavor is the way to destruction. Moving on in the grab bag. Um, let's see. This is a totally different topic. Um, Pastor, you're into exercise. How do I encourage my spouse to exercise without offending them? Um, invite them to do it together. Uh, encourage it. Be thankful when they do. Most of the time, people don't want to work out because they don't understand what to do and there's ignorance involved. So... Don't go to a, like a box gym and get a trainer. Invest in somebody who actually knows what they're doing. Uh, box gym, like 24-hour fitness, LA fitness. Most of the trainers there like read a book and passed a test. Uh, there's a lot of things that they don't know. Find, find a place, and you can talk to me afterwards. Uh, but just be an encouragement when they do. Um, and lead by example. Don't ask them to work out. Do There's maybe some minimal. My wife's put on a few pounds. Oh, sweetheart, look in the mirror. So have you. And, uh, and it's something that really should be done together. The Durrells have done together for years. Troy was a great power lifter. You deadlifted, what, like 642 or something like that? Well, like 2,000, I think. So. <laughs> I don't remember numbers, so. Yeah, I do. I think it's something like that. He's like, he could have been very competitive. Um, and so it was... But they did it together. I think Brother Drill's message when he talked about um, in, not, not co uh, criticizing but complimenting. I know probably our biggest struggle, we came from such back, different backgrounds. He worked out his whole life. I played sports, but I went to a school with like 25 students, K through 12. And so the level of, of sportsmanship was not super high. And I thought I was really good until we met. And I found out exactly what an athlete I was not. So I was embarrassed and everything, and then he'd be like, just do this, and I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about, and I just felt stupid and frustrated, and one of the best things we did was work out at the same place with different trainers. Do not coach your spouse. Flipped it back. Sorry. Now he's an excellent coach. So all these years later, now we go a couple times a week, and he's learning again, and, it, and it's work on his part. For me, I'm trying to, to not be embarrassed, but he's teaching me again. So here we are, 28 years in, and still working on it. I married a fitness guy, too, who had always been in the gym. I had never been in the gym. I was not athletic. Um, and so I, there came a point after having seven kids, as you ladies can imagine, I just didn't want to look like I had had seven kids. And it bothered me. Um, probably more than it bothered him. He didn't say anything, but I knew. I looked in the mirror. I felt insecure about it, but I probably felt more insecure about going to a gym, like what happens in that gym. So every, when I walk in, the whole gym's going to turn around and say, oh yeah, she needs the gym. 
I had envisioned all those things, and I was so thankful because he wanted me to be happy with me, and I expressed that um, quite probably being embarrassed about it, and he held my hand. He did train me and spent several months just patiently um, walking me through everything and helping me understand. And then as time progressed, you know, we do different things now, but that was invaluable to build confidence in my life. I, I think you just realize criticism will never get you what you want. It's just not going to work. And, and, and critiquing and all that, I think to say, hey, I'd enjoy if you go to the gym with me or walk with me or whatever it is, I, I think just exp expressing that desire and uh, moving on is, is okay. And, and love does the rest. You know, um, she loves to walk, so we walk together in the mornings. You know, uh, we went to the gym together for 12 years. 12 years. And, you know, so things change, just, you know, hurts and aches and things, so we, we, we've modified. But I, I think love has to be the motivator there, and uh, criticism won't work. Well. Pastor, on Wednesday, uh, before the weekender, you finished your series on Pursue Love, and that was addressed primarily to the ladies. And so we have a couple questions here on the, the women's role, on submission. Um, I don't think they're perfect questions, but I think that'll give you a platform to talk about it. Uh, and so uh, one question just says, how do I improve my attitude when I don't want to submit? Uh, and the other question says, what's the difference between sub uh, being submissive and passive or assertive and disrespectful? And I think you're catching on. I, I don't necessarily think that submissive and passivity are the same thing. Um, uh, how do I improve my attitude when, as a wife, I don't want to submit? Um, I mean, that's a great question, and I would say you are in control of your attitude. If you don't think you're in control of your attitude, start yelling at your husband, then let the President of the United States walk in. You won't yell at him. You'll be like, oh, hello, sir. Welcome to our house. Can I get you some coffee? Uh, would you like to sit down uh, with our current President? Can I help you sit down? I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> But um, you, <laughs> you, uh, you have to be, I mean, you just be honest. Uh, I love, if you did not pick up on what Pastor Darrell said about what happens to the human body when you're in the middle of a fight, oh, my soul. He used a lot of science words. It means your body's ticked off, too. And um, he, I mean, that was, that was fantastic. And so staying in control of your emotions, even when that happens, most of the time you're upset because you didn't get your way. And truth be told, we've been married 28 years. I can probably think on uh, less than two hands the number of times that I've ever said, Debbie, you're just going to have to submit on this one. I'm trying to think. She might remember a lot more saying two hands, two million hands. You know, hands across America. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I, uh, you have to, you have to stay in control of your emotions. And when you realize that I would encourage you to stop and pray, you just got to stop, Lord, help me to have the right attitude. Cause this is the role that you have for me in my life and, and help me to, to find the hope and the encouragement and the help that I need right now. I know they're going to include, um, some of the messages if you get the recordings later, but he brought out that understanding that submission is first to God. And that, when you, when you say, okay, God, I'm going to submit to you, then submitting to your husband is just the byproduct. And so when you're struggling to submit as a woman, submit to God first. 
God, you've put me in this position. You've allowed me in this position. I am, in, I, am, I am married to this man, so I'm submitting to you, and I'm trusting you to be my protector. And that, for me, was the big difference. Okay, so this, this, this issue is sometimes overdone. Um, we submit all the time. The service started at 9.30, and you were here whether you want to be or not, in a way. Does that make sense? We submit to things every day. We, we submit at the red light. We, we submit when we go to work. I mean, we, we're in a constant state of submission, and we make it such a big deal sometimes in marriage. Submission is not silence. Right. Submission is not absence of opinion. Submission is not absence of disagreement. Right. It's just, you know, come to church at 9.30 and don't have a bad attitude about it. But you may or may not want to be there at 9.30, but we're going to meet at 9.30, so be here. And sometimes marriage is like that. I mean, we're, we're supposed to submit to one another. We're showing deference to each other all the time. Sometimes you've got to pick a path and follow it. We have to yield there, but that's often that decision is often best made together, having listened and vetted that. And then, and then someone's got to choose where to go, maybe. But um, marriage is hardly the only place where we have to submit in life. And we have opinions about everything, and it's okay to have them. It's just about guarding your attitude about it. And, uh, and, and wives should have a voice, and men would be foolish not to listen to them. Um, Terry has kept me from a thousand evils and harms by valuing her opinion and listening and deferring often to the wisdom that she has expressed. So, I think evaluating why you're upset, I, I think it goes back to that. Because if you're upset because you didn't get your way, then you need to talk to the Lord about that and straighten out that part. We can't always have our way. We would say that to our children. But I think if it's because you're not communicating, again, silence is not submission. You need to find an appropriate time to communicate and talk respectfully. And you're honoring the position. Somebody has to lead. I've seen more bitter women and that have destroyed themselves because they decided to become the leader. And God just didn't intend that. That is not his perfect plan for a marriage. And I would much rather him burden that responsibility and carry it than, than me. And so that will, I think, help when you evaluate really what the problem is. And it's, it's, it's easier to submit when you're loved. Yes. yes. And so if, if a lady's finding it hard to submit, I might ask the man, are you loving her appropriately? And so there's lots of views into that window. Uh, we have questions from both men and women. Uh, how do you know, um, I guess we'll start with Pastor, how, uh, basically how do you ask for sex, like the higher drive person, like how do you broach that subject, how, what do you, what's the path forward there? You assume I'm the higher drive person. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he talking to me? <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> I, I, we've been married so long, I, 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 um, I, I don't know that I ever ask for it. I'm trying to think through that. I mean, our sex life is so good that it's kind of like, I, I listened to one commentator one time. He said, you need to do things to let your spouse know, let, that lets her or him know that you want sex at a certain time. So I decided I'd brush my teeth and let her know that. So whenever I brush my teeth, I want sex. Um... I'm being silly. I, I just, I mean, when your goal is 400 times a year, it's, you know, it's going to happen more than once a day sometimes. I don't know. There's not an alarm on my phone that says ask. 
I'm really trying. Can you help? Because I really, I'm trying to think about that. Please help us. Go to the earlier years. Now, now we're now, Speak, Troy, thy servant heareth. <laughs> now it's an expectation, but... Uh, whoa, 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 you, no, that's no, a bad no, word. No, it, it is a bad word. No, 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 like an expectation uh, or a hope. It, it, when you say like, a, like something that you look forward to, it's now a part of... Just like I, 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 I'm a scheduler. Okay, let me say it this way. This is where every marriage should be, okay? This is where every marriage should be. We're surprised at, at the end of the day when we didn't have sex. That's a good way to put it. So it's like, no, we're going to have sex every day because we're going to come together again that Satan tempted you not. So literally at the end of every day, good days or bad days, we're going to be together. And so, yeah, so that uh, we don't really have to ask for it. But if I had to ask for it, how would I ask for it? I'd probably start in the morning by rubbing her shoulders and telling her she's beautiful and how much I love her. Not that I don't do that now. Uh, she'd probably say not enough. But I, I uh, try to do those things and love her throughout the day. Um, but now it's, it's, it's what we do. And so can you add to that at all? If you want sex, initiate it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, thoughtfully, you know, sure. uh, considerately, but stop making it such, again, it doesn't have to be such a big deal. Yeah. Um, if you, you're in the mood and want to initiate, if there's something there, you're going to know pretty quick. And in that case, you need to defer and wait if, if, if you're missing a signal there. Um, but I don't know if I've ever asked. Um, we have a, we have a dialogue. And on our walks, you know, I said, hey, this is, this, you could assume here's where I'm at. Here's where I'm going to be. And so if time passes and doesn't happen, um, she, you know, I may be trying to be acting deferential to her. Terry will initiate. I mean, we just kind of have an understanding of where we're both at. And we just try to mutually take care of each other. And we just, we initiate, you know. Uh, we don't have, you know, the hat on the, the ring or the little thing you do. The pillow. You know, the pillow turned one way or the other. I'm not saying those are bad things, but I think our dialogue comes in a, in a broader sweep. Here's where we're at. Here's what we, you know, we kind of, where our life's at, where we, I hate the word expect, but, you know, where my drives are. She knows. I know. I get signals when she's tired. I'm going to, I'm going to defer to that. Um, she knows it maybe been a day or two and like because of life and she's going to initiate because she knows my heart. And so. Yeah. No. Amen. Yeah. That's good. Both of you, uh, both couples are coming from perspective of uh, you have had a long time together, you have a good sex life, and so for those that are not at that stage, I think what you're saying is to get to your point, you just got to wade into the waters. You have to be vulnerable enough yeah. to like step out into the shallow water, and there'll be times of difficulty, there'll be, it's going to be a little awkward at times, but you just keep moving forward and eventually... By the grace of God, you'll get to If this you place. live in fear here, you're going to be in trouble. You have to be vulnerable. You have to communicate. You have to talk. You just can't get where you want to go. Minus conversation. And you have to be willing to be told no without acting like a petulant child. That's right. You just like, but there were many times Debbie's like, no, I just, her medical condition, no, it just really hurts. I don't think I can. Okay. All right. We're good. Yep. And, and by the way, we always say you can be sexual without having sex. That's in there. It's good. There's a question Debbie said. She must have wrote it. <laughs> no, for, for those times when, when it's not possible, when physically you are not capable, is it still oneness, even if you can't have traditional you know, sex? Um, what are the other options? What are the other ways to express? The, um, 
Hmm, that's a mixed crowd. I like this question with women. Um, be creative and have fun. And yes, you can still have oneness. Yes, you can still create that. And if you are the one who's in pain, be more creative. If you're the one who has the physical ailment, you be the one that's creative because the other person doesn't know what you're experiencing, doesn't know what your body's doing, and they don't know what's going to hurt you, what, what you're open to. So you're, you're going to have to be a little more vulnerable, a little more open about, hey, I can't do this and this, but hey, what if I did this and this? Would you like that? Be open, talk about it. I think you've talked a huge amount about that. Talk to each other about it, and don't be afraid to say, okay, how can we get creative? Don't be afraid to be a creative pastor. Talked a lot about that in the first session. Be creative. That, that's within scripture as between the two of you. Not be creative, look online. Not be creative. He dealt with that. I don't have to recover it again. Between the two of you, be creative and enjoy your marriage bed that's honorable and pure and lovely. And, and yes, you can create that oneness. And if that question didn't, if that answer didn't answer it, come see us privately. Um, I feel like I have to ask a couple of these uh, questions, uh, similar topics. Oh, we got five minutes. Wow. Okay, yes, come go see pastors Durrell and Chadwick and their wives. Um, All right. um, Man, sorry. Uh, We live in a perverted culture. Uh, How do you deal with a teenager struggling with same-sex attraction? That... That's too broad of a question to answer in five minutes, I think, but uh, find a different one. Not that we're, I'd love to answer that question. I think you deal with grace and and love and you help them find hope and there's normally a, a stimulus that is leading to that. I would say get rid of all social media, probably get rid of all media for a while Proverbs or Psalm one nineteen nine, where with all shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Uh, a great infusion of the word of God. That's where it begins, and then there's a bunch of counseling after that, a bunch of help after that, a bunch of things in addition to that. We have some resources in our bookstore. Um, we we really would love to help with that, but honestly, it would just be a disservice, I think, to go beyond that. So then uh, we'll call this some podcast called the lightning round since we got since we got five minutes. Um, Only one person can answer. What? Yeah. Anybody else jumps in, it's a five burpee penalty. <laughs> okay. Um, and first person that wants to answer, you jump in. Like, You're in charge. Well, I like to see the fight. Um, all right. Um, how about Miss Terry? Uh, what would you consider to be the most important pillar for a healthy biblical marriage. You had to say one thing, focus on this one. Oh, definitely. I w- we've always walked. He already covered that, but I would say that has been a pillar. Yes, communication in our marriage. We've, years, we've done a lot and of go walking. on walks. Yep. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. Debbie, how to uh, help, how to help a, a spouse that is distracted by worry? Pray for them. My husband prays for me. He, he lifts me up and he tells me he's praying for me. And those positive, encouraging words that, um, that we heard about this morning. Uh, Pastor, if one has been wayward in the past and had sex outside of marriage, how do you recover from that? By the grace of God, asking God to give healing and forgiveness and hope, and he will. Amen. Um, 
Brother Jarrell, uh, any, let's see. Um, what do you do to keep your marriage interesting? We talked a lot about adventure. Yeah, I, I think the marriage is a relationship. Terry and I have just always done a lot of different crazy things. We invent them. We look for them. We, um, we just try not to live the flatline life all the time. Our grind is good. Our daily life is, is really happy and good, but we're just looking for things to do. We'll go jump out of an airplane. We'll go do a cruise. I mean, you know, within whatever reason or budget, we'll just try to find things to do that we can laugh about and say that was the craziest thing we've ever done, and we just try. Pastor, um, is premarital, how important is premarital counseling? Essential. Because they'll, they'll ask you questions you don't think. You have tunnel vision. You don't know the right questions to ask. And even with that, marriage is still difficult. So a premarriage counselor will help you unpackage the issues to find uh, direction and uh, to be aware of some things in life that are coming your way. Brother Jarrell, uh, any tips for improving your health to improve your sex life? Yes. Um, first of all, just the, the more the more fit you are, the more satisfaction you'll have in sex. Um, don't be afraid to go ask a doctor about your condition. Um, guys, as we get older, things could change a little bit. Don't be afraid to see a doctor about that and get help. Um, you, The more attention that you give to fitness, sex is a physical activity. <laughs> And so, and I know it's other than that, obviously, but that's primary, it's part of it. And so if you give attention to your health, um, you know, walk, uh, work on that. I, I think you could have a more satisfying sex life. So. Uh, I, I, I want to say this and I'm breaking my own rules. I'll, I'll do five burpees. Yeah, five burpees, uh, I'll do them. Um, um, eat less sugar, a lot less, eat fewer carbs, eat more meat, Stop drinking soda, lower your blood pressure, and work out. And by the way, guys, it's not just about your wife. I mean, your wife married you. You look kind of attractive. Now you talk about how great an athlete you were, but you can't see your toes. And she wants to get turned on by you, but you got to move 42 pounds of fat to get to the good stuff. It's sin. Your diet is a reflection of your walk with God. And you're finding comfort in food. I had a conversation with a godly Christian man the other day, and I said, hey, your weight's just out of control. I'm trying to have those tough conversations. When you're 60, you don't need to look like you were when you were 20. But good grief, you don't need to look like you're out to pasture and ready to you know, pack it all in. Stay in shape. And again, that's going to be different for different people. Uh, Bernie could work out his whole life. He won't look like me. I could work out my whole life. I'll never look like Bernie. I'm not half Filipino. <laughs> but seriously, we just wouldn't. We just wouldn't look like each other. That's okay. It's not comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. It's just being in good health. Bill Griffith is uh, what? What are you? 79, 80, 85? No, 70 years old. And Bill walks back and forth to church, and he works around here. He doesn't need to wear a Fitbit that tells his steps for the day. The dude probably walks 35,000 steps a day, and he's just doing that to try to help stay in shape. So, so there's a lot of things that that you can do. Watch your diet. Take testosterone if you need to. Whatever. How much time do we have? Uh, we were supposed to do it at 1. It's 106. We've got four minutes. Four minutes, I. Uh, Debbie, how do you let go of anger in the middle of an argument and say sorry? How do you? 
Pass it. You can pay me. I let go of Chris. <laughs> you don't have to do those five burpees, Pastor. Um, honestly, I have to quote scripture over and over and over again, and I have to go back to the Lord and pray for grace. When I'm angry, you're right. You're not thinking straight. And coming to the realization that I'm not thinking straight, I will dwell on what's pure and lovely and of good report. So for me, Philippians 4, 8, um, every woman in here pr pretty much knows it. I'm going to quote that to myself. I'm only going to focus on what's true. Everything else, I'm throwing out the window. Thank you. <laughs> Ms. Terry, um, how would you recommend a husband be more intentional about focusing on his wife's needs or desires? I think you said it, to focus on her, <laughs> to, to, to ask her questions. She's just not another person in the room. I think to actually open your eyes and look at her. Um, communicate, find out, is there something that I'm missing? Um, do you, you know, is there something I could be a bigger help? You know, what would, which, by the way, men, a.k.a. it also leads to making a man look much more sexy when you are more in tune to her and you want to know about her and want to help her and do, do things in the house to help her. That, watching you play with the kids, oh, my word, you, you want a better sex life? You can start there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play with the kids more. <laughs> I have a puppy. <laughs> All right, we'll close with two more questions, one for Pastor Durrell and one for Pastor Chadwick. Um, Pastor Durrell, um, Pastor preaches very strongly on this in our church, but what has been your experience, uh, what will be your recommendations regarding pornography? 40 seconds, please. <laughs> oh, my word. Um, I, I, I think that understanding that th there's a moral issue, uh, there's a spiritual issue, and there's a biological issue. And we don't understand the things that we do on screen time period affect us physiologically. Mm -hmm. Of course, emotionally and spiritually as well. But when you, what makes sex so pleasurable is the release of dopamine, norepinephrine, and all these things. And we run to a screen uh, and it could be pornography, it could be Facebook. We don't know what we're doing, but we're releasing those chemicals in our brain for that high. If you're not careful, you're going to put yourself in that addiction. That's right. okay, pornography is a huge issue, but you have the same issue with your phones. That's right. You can't go a day without it. We can't. We're addicted to it. We're doing something to ourselves spiritually, emotionally, and physiologically, and you're putting yourself. Paul said, I will not put my body under the power of anything. I'm going to be free. And screen time robs us of freedom. And I think some intellectual understanding there will go a long way for prevention. So, Can, can you name any books or references? that? Because 40 seconds is really hard. Are there any books that have been a huge help to you on that or a blessing? I can't think of anything necessarily. Um, not like a Christian author book. Uh, I have tons of books on the subject um, and the addictive quality, what it does to us, what it diminishes, what it steals away, what it takes away. I can't think of one in particular at the moment. Uh, I think um, I would reference it, and I know you feel uncomfortable referencing a non-Christian book, but um, was it Neil Anderson, Amusing Ourselves to Death? Neil Postman. Neil Postman yep. uh, has done some good work on that. And I would encourage pastors, you to do that. You can see us offline. There's some great resources. I love Troy's scientific approach to these things. 
Um, and sometimes we have to take the scientific approach, put it in our own words, in our own way. Um, but talk to our brother, and he'll be a huge help in that. And they're finding, by the way, they're finding direct correlations. Now, I read a lot of science magazines. I just don't want to talk like it because I, I, I would use the wrong word. It's like when I talk in Spanish. Um, but they're finding a really big correlation between and a gateway between screen time and pornography. So it's like, well, as long as they're not watching porn, I'll let my kids have a phone. Uh, you're just setting them up for failure. They keep throwing pitches at it. Eventually, your kid's going to connect. I wanted to ask a follow-up question on that. Uh, do we, what would be a practical recommendation? Because we all, well, we all should know that most pornography is accessed through the phone uh, nowadays. Uh, when you say screen time, you're really talking primarily talk about, about phone, the yeah. phone. So what would be a practical recommendation? Like, do we need to, like, put our phone face down for two hours or like what's something that we can do to in a sense improve our ability to resist temptation and prevent going down that road well i think being vulnerable about those temptations to your spouse is helpful the accountability that you have with each other um not being shocked that this is a struggle f for men any more than a man being shocked that facebook or something else is a struggle for for, for the wife or instagram or pinterest or um, TikTok or whatever it is, I, I think we need to understand that these are temptations for us, that they, we, we can fall into that. Um, I, I feel like providing what safeguards that you can, I think having some kind of software is obviously a help. Um, but yeah, if you can put your phone down, like we don't do social media. We, we have an Instagram account that has me, Terry, and the kids on it. And, and that's sort of what we do. Um, there is just a plethora of information that's out there if you care to be intellectual about it that just tells you this stuff is killing us, it's destroying us, it's ruining your attention span, uh, you have no ability to focus, it's destroying you physiologically, emotionally, and spiritually. And I don't, I don't know any amount of words that I could say to you that would make you stop if you're addicted. You have to want to. You have to care about something more than yourself. You have to care about her, care about the kids, care about your spiritual life. There's just things you have to care about more than yourself. Uh, last question, Pastor. You can choose which direction you want to go. Um, pornography, uh, talking about that and some of the struggles, or uh, a follow-up question would be, where can Christians go to learn more about sex? Uh, re you mentioned resources earlier, so can you talk to either that or if you want to do pornography, whatever? Um, well, obviously, we have some great books in our bookstore um, on the subject of sex. There's there's a ton of really good resources that are out there. There's some good Christian websites, uh, Uncovering Intimacy, that guy, I forget his name. He does some really good stuff um, and is very, very helpful. Um, oh, good grief. The XY Code, uh, those guys do some really good stuff. Um, there's a podcast by a group of ladies, um, the ladies from like Hot, Holy, and Harmonious, um, the uh, Oyster Bar, I'm trying to think what the rest of them are all called, um, but it's called the Christian Sex Chat. It's a conversation between four Christian bloggers that are women, and I'll listen to that uh, just to be a help and a blessing at times. So I think there's a lot of things that are out there that can help you. That when we were going through our struggles, there was no one and there was nothing. I mean, it was, it was, it was a graveyard. And so we're super, 
super thankful. Matter of fact, when I preached on sex for the first time in 2004, I was the first pastor other than a guy named Tommy Nelson in Texas. Uh, I was the first pastor I had ever heard of to actually preach on the subject. I'm not saying others didn't. It was anecdotal, limited to myself. I had never heard it, and I'd called people, and nobody ever did, and I was counseled not to. I'm really glad I did preach on it. Um, and so I, uh, yeah, those are some. If, if you want to know, if you wrote that answer, email me, chris.chadwick at canyonridgebaptist.com, and I'll send you a bunch of links. I'm not, I'm not hesitant to give them out. I'm just hesitant to remember what they are, and I don't want to give you a bad link because you know what that could do. Yeah. So um, I just want to be careful. Again, I'm not trying to hide anything. I just don't remember them off yeah. the top of my head. There's, um, there's a book. Um, I, I, I'll be careful because I can't remember the author, but it's called The Five Sex Needs of husbands and wives, it's fantastic. Um, and it talks about the idea of sex versus intimacy, how those things can merge, but are not necessarily the same thing. And it gives some very practical advice uh, to men and women to help them understand one another. It generates questions in there that couples can ask on a drive or a trip. And uh, that's a, I can't imagine there being a ton of books by that title, The Five Sex Needs of Husband and Wives or Men and Women. There's a, there's a book entitled, um, um, or bookstore. We'll come up with, I'll, I'll forward a book list to Brother Chadwick and he can share it with you if he wants to, so. Yeah, there's, a, as he's talking, Red Hot Monogamy is a great book. Um, we, we gave one away last year, I think it was as well. And there's a, a blog that I really enjoy as well called Love, Hope, and Adventure. They have some great stuff on there from a Christian perspective. And so there, there is a lot of resources. Pastors, email me. You can, you can distribute it how you want to. Uh, but again, yeah. Hey, it's been awesome. Thank you for listening. Find more messages every week at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, join us for a service. We meet at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 p.m.